Welcome to the Voice of Conservative Values with Daniel Bobinski of True Idaho News and Uncover DC. Brought to you by conservativesof.com. And now, here's Daniel. Hello and welcome to the Voice of Conservative Values. My name is Daniel Bobinski. And for the next half hour, we'll be talking about the principles and values that made America the greatest country on the planet. And no, I'm not afraid nor ashamed to say that. Um, If you've done any kind of study of history, uh, you're probably aware that the Marxists of the world, those who hold a communist worldview, they are desiring to take America down. And they are also known for playing the long game. Uh, And they're pretty well engaged at it. They play this thing called the Hegelian dialectic, two steps forward, one step back. But you know what? That's still one step forward. They just do it over a long period of time, and that's what they've been doing. And we know, talking with uh, communist defectors from during the Cold War and even after the Cold War, that those who seek global communism sought to infiltrate Western civilization in at least five areas. Uh, law schools, education, uh, religious institutions, entertainment, and politics. And, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at how these different facets of American society have indeed been infiltrated uh, with people who hold the secular humanist worldview, the Marxist-Leninist worldview, and and even the most predominant these days, the postmodern worldview, which is all uh, systemic from the secular humanist worldview. So before I introduce my guest this morning, I want to uh, remind our listeners of what a Soviet defector named Yuri Bezmenov said back in 1984. He was a a Soviet Russian KGB, quote, public relations officer, and that was his term, and he would use air quotes with that. And he said basically that was the uh, cover for being a Soviet subversions tactics specialist. Uh, But instead of gauging the enemy directly with direct warfare where you've got lead flying back and forth, The Soviet tactics was to subvert, uh, to destroy an enemy country from within. And Bezmenov tried to warn us. He he pointed out, in fact, during some interviews, and you can go to YouTube and watch these, uh, how surprised he was at how fast the United States was uh, succumbing to the Russians' infiltration efforts. And he pointed out that they do this in four different phases. The first is called, he called it, demoralization. And he said that phase took about 20, 25 years. And and the reason that it took so long was he needed to educate a population with the Soviet Marxist mindset in these five institutions that I mentioned, law, education, religious institutions, entertainment, and politics. And then once that was firmly in place, then they would move into the second phase called destabilization, which might take about five or six years. So that's shaking things up and getting people a little worried. And then you throw in a crisis. And he said that might take only three to six weeks. And following that was normalization. Now, I want you to think back to what's been happening in America, especially over the last year. He said that the demoralization and the destabilization place took fast, like he said, fast than he thought. And this was back in 1984. But think of what's happened since then. We had 9-11. We've had other crises. In fact, this last year, we had a crisis that was supposed to be two weeks to flatten the curve. And then the phase four of that subversion tactic was normalization. Well, what have we been hearing now? The new normal. So I think what's really sad 
is that we had the enemy defecting to us, spilling the beans about what the Soviets were doing, and it's like nobody even listened to him. Like I said, if you don't believe me, you can go to YouTube, and, and uh, the video, I think, is called Subversion Explained by Former KGB Agent or something like that. But you can check that out for yourself. You can listen to him. There's a 10-minute version. In fact, there's even an hour and a half version you can listen to. But to talk about these things, I have a couple of guests in our studio, the pastors of Foothills Church. Uh, they don't only preach the Word of God, they are not afraid to talk about the subversion that's going on in so many areas of our society. So not only from the pulpit, but also from a podcast. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the show, Pastor Douglas Peak and Pastors Harvey Friesen. Good to be here with you, Daniel. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you very much. Appreciate your, your time here today. So, um, Douglas, you moved to Boise in 96, was it, with your yes. wife? January 1996. So you've been at Foothills for 25 years? Yeah, just over 25 years. Congratulations on that silver anniversary. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> and you, Harvey, you just came here last year, right? Right. I, I came a couple of years ago coming in and out uh, and then moved here last year to Idaho. So came late to the party, but glad to be here. He's an Idahoan at heart for uh, ever since I've known him. And, and Harvey and I have had conversation. Uh, he said he really felt God was calling him to Idaho. Mm-hmm. So I just went over this information about um, Yuri Bezmenov warning America. What are some of your thoughts on what he had to say? Well, uh, I would say at its core, communism is evil. So that would be my summation. And I believe that it is a form of slavery because it denies the sovereignty of the individual. And so whenever you do that, individuals become chattel. They become irrelevant. They become pawns in a global scheme. I think that the gospel of Jesus Christ at its core is an affirmation in the sovereignty of your soul that Mm -hmm. the creator of the universe came to save you, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, and you're the whosoever, individuals. And when you look back through 2,000 years of history, particularly Christian history, what you see is this ongoing value of the sovereignty of the human soul, because God loves the human soul, and he died to save it. So what I see in that is any ideology that dehumanizes people whether through its language or through its existential outcome, mm-hmm. is in itself evil when you compare it to any type of standard of good or evil. One of the things that the Marxist uh, ideology does is it puts people in groups. Correct. And so I think the uh, the progressives, quote-unquote, in our country refer to that as identity politics. Mm-hmm. What identity, what group do you, uh, do you belong to? So you're right. The, the, the Lord of the universe loves us as individuals. Correct. And uh, died for us individually for our sins. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's a huge differentiator. Harvey, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, well, I think, interestingly enough, is that God died for the individual, but what's interesting is the first thing God did on the planet when uh, he created, he brought two people together. 
And he did that in a way that brought their dignity to the table and mm-hmm. brought blessing to them. The two became one, and out of that, we have what? We have the family. And so when you talk about communism, you guys are talking about the first thought that I come to my mind is that the first thing they try to do is deconstruct the biblical family. And that deconstruction of biblical family then spreads chaos in every other place. And when you list the five things here that, that happen, when the family no longer teaches morality Law schools just begin to take uh, take over. When when the family know it no longer is the hub of education, then what happens is those who want to program you run education. Religious institutions get taken over all the time as well by different agendas. Entertainment is obviously driven that way. And what you start to see is when the family becomes deconstructed, those other five things become disproportionately powerful and in influencing in the lives of young people and can lead them astray. You know, Harvey, you nailed it. Um, what, as you were talking, I'm, I'm thinking about what Black Lives Matter did. Um, a lot of folks um, have a heart for people who've been victimized, no doubt, and yeah. we should. But when I think uh, people miss the uh, concept, the biblical concept of forgiveness, right? So when you look at what Black Lives Matter is doing, is they're, being, uh, they're focusing only on the victim status and not a forgiveness status. And when you look at the, uh, what they've, their website, as it was originally published, right. and they've since changed it, one of their core tenets was to deconstruct the nuclear family. They openly said that. When that is a tenet of Marxism, and as you just mentioned, it is what opens up the door for all these other avenues to take over. Mm. Um, so you guys are not just pastors of the church. Douglas, you are also uh, a podcast guy. Yes, uh, you have the Salty Podcast. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, the Salty Pastor Podcast. The Salty Pastor. <laughs> and I've listened to some of those things, some of your shows. And uh, uh, you know what? You've just also hit – you started that last year. Correct. And you just hit the 100th episode on that. 100 episodes, yes. Congratulations for that. You're, Thank you're, you. You're a man here of anniversaries this morning. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you're talking on those podcasts, you really get into some of the social issues. You're not just – you're not – let me just put it this way. There's a lot of pastors who are trepidatious yes. about speaking about social issues. Yes. And you're not afraid of that. No. What's the catalyst for being so outspoken? I'm salty. Explain that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the difficulty is, is that we have separated the principles of the gospel from the principles of every day living in the way that societies are influenced and structured and the values that they adopt. Even though we are loved and saved as individuals, as Pastor Harv points out, we're immediately then brought together in community. Now, that principle in and of itself is critically important to understand. And the reason why is because if you come and are made a part of a community through coercion or force or your will is taken away from you, right, and what you believe and what you're taught is dictated upon you, then what that is is that's autocratic power Mm -hmm. that's being asserted. That is technically slavery. Mm -hmm. Consequently, when you come into community of your own free will – non-coercively, and you willingly surrender in order to be a part, right? You, you acknowledge the sovereignty of the other individual. Then what you have now is love. 
Mm-hmm. You see love. And that is, that's, that's how we can have a relationship with God. We don't have a relationship with God through power or control because for God, that'd be a piece of cake, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, he has all the power. But he is mysterious, you know, as uh, C.S. Lewis is, says, he's hidden, you know, Dr. Schaefer. He, he's, he's silent in so many ways initially. And the reason why is because he's honoring and respecting and loving our free will. Mm-hmm. And so when we enter into that on a free will basis, this is why the nuclear family is so powerful is it's built on love. Mm-hmm. It's not built on hierarchical, patriarchal control. I mean, that's just silly. There's nothing in history that really points to that. I mean, you could kind of maybe pull it from the Roman Empire a little bit, but they're all pagans. So that idea that concept is really important so let me bring all that back together for me and that is is that what we have to do is as a i think as a church is understand that we have been brought into a relationship with god and transformed our hearts and that means a transformation of core values And what's really fascinating is that Jesus Christ didn't come and start a new religion. Mm -hmm. He he came, he started a movement of heart, of a renewed heart. So when you think of Christianity, you know, we don't have like Christian dress, you know, other than should it be more modest or not. But there's no official hat we have to wear. There's no official ring or official tattoo. We don't have official Christian dietary habits, right? There's not a Christian cookbook that everybody has to cook from. Mm-hmm. We don't have to sing very specific songs. Everywhere you go, the songs are different. The music is different. Some people like it loud and rocky. Some people love country western. Other people love liturgical chants. And what does that say? Well, he didn't come to start a religion, right? He came to start a heart renewal process, and he brought what was dead back to life. And what that does now is that, number one, affirms our individuality, while at the same time allows us to build loving communities. So if we supplant those values, if we ignore those values and how they work out into everyday life, uh, we then are losing the battle of the gospel without knowing it. And I think that pastors today are have a trepidation because they love the people they want to meet Jesus. They love them. And subconsciously, they think, if I offend them, then I will close them off to the gospel. Let let me underscore something you were talking about there. There's a belief among some Christian circles that Jesus was a socialist because he talked about giving to the poor and, and, you know, sharing things equally and those kind of things. What we talk about in our worldview classes is that Jesus said those things to the individual, mm-hmm. not to the state, mm-hmm. uh, that it is an individual's responsibility to choose, as you said, out of their own free will mm-hmm. to give. Not, and, and Paul tells us not to give under compulsion. Mm-hmm. God loves a cheerful giver. Mm-hmm. So when the government is holding you over a barrel and saying, we're going to throw you in jail if you don't give Mm -hmm. and don't do these programs, these quote-unquote social programs that are helping the greater good, that's not giving of your own free will. Mm -hmm. And we can really easily dissect uh, and dismantle that argument uh, because Jesus never talked to the state. He talked to the individual. Yeah, and I think that that, too, the difficulty with that is that it's it's a misunderstanding of what socialism is. 
You know, it's a misunderstanding of what communism is, and it's a misunderstanding of the essence of human nature. And that's really what the the battle is today. You know, people talk today. I, I was talking to my mom. My mom is going to be ninety in in uh, November, and my mom was talking, and she has been a very committed Christian, very much in the Christian culture. She led music in our church when I was growing up, and she always listens to the radio. She listens to all these things, and she goes, everybody always talks about a, a, wor- a biblical worldview, and she goes, you know, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I kind of I kind of chuckled, and I, I realized that, you know, the difficulty with language is, is we streamline causal distinctions. Yes. I'll go into that someday, but <laughs> uh, but we streamline it, you know. And the, the issue with that is, is that what we don't understand is that a biblical worldview is not, hey, we have a morality we're trying to oppose upon people. A biblical worldview is answering the question, who do you believe a human being really is? What is the essence of what it means to be alive? Mm-hmm. And there's very few answers to that question. Well, and I think one of the things you guys are talking about that's very, very, very important is this, is that the state is in the process of not redeeming people, but categorizing people. I think you use that is that they build identity out of that. What the gospel does that nothing else does in our culture is one beautiful, powerful thing, redemption. It offers redemption. Mm -hmm. When you talk about different organizations and how they pick apart people, if you read what they write on their original websites and other things like that, is what they do is that they find victimization and then they drill that home and what they do is they discard people, which is the opposite of redemption. Interestingly enough, is that their model then too is based on fear, which discards people, canceling out. The, The model of the gospel is, built on love, which is redemption. One of the most beautiful stories, whether someone's a believer or not, is the story of the prodigal son, and that comes from the heart of Jesus, the heart of God, that says people are worth redeeming. Mm -hmm. Our culture has lost that idea. And I think one of the reasons why Pastor Doug began doing the podcast was is that he started to watch and see people who were being, their lives, their children were being deconstructed and they didn't even see it going on. Yeah. And then once they finally saw it going on, they went, what do we do? And I think Pastor Doug said, look, I need to help you understand that the high point of creation was the dignity of humanity. And that dignity is found that when we mess up, when we make mistakes, there's something called redemption mm-hmm. rather than just canceling you out, discarding you onto the heap and saying, okay, go on to the next. One of the aspects of the Lord's Prayer that always resonates with me, I think a lot of people miss, just because of the way we memorize it and the way we repeat it. They separate the phrase, but it's, Lord, forgive us for, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Spot on. And we have to we have, think about that. We need to be forgiving others. That's right. And then, Lord, forgive us in the same way that we forgive others. Right. Oh, and, yeah. and I think in the Christ community, one of the most powerful things to do is to not return uh, evil for evil, but what we can actually do is we can show forgiveness uh, to other people, that and that's a struggle to do in mass. Uh, and the way it the way it actually is done is person to person mm-hmm. in a relational context. Yes, I totally agree. Um, now, like I said, uh, Pastor Douglas, you have this Salty Pastor podcast. Yes, I've listened to some multiple uh, episodes of that, and I really am um, glad that you are emboldened to speak about politics and the issues of the day. Um, on one of your recent podcasts, you talked about um, moral, moral relativism, and you said no society has ever existed on the basis of moral relativism. Yes. 
And you talked about how societies always tumble when they become unstable. We go back to the the Benzimov quote that I said earlier at the beginning, mm-hmm. at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, as fair to say, there's a there's a push to make America unstable, uh, Leninist goal. And I forget if it was one of your sermons or one of the other podcasts, but you said the primary incentive for people in media is to light something on fire and watch it burn. Yes. Uh, because that gets readers, that gets viewers, yeah. that gets clicks. What do you recommend that Christians do with regard to the media around us? I mean, I, I have a little self-promotion here. I started True Idaho News to try to speak the truth, but what are your thoughts on this? Oh, boy, that's a big question and all that. Well, I was quoting Dr. Peter Kreft uh, when he said that no society has ever existed on moral relativism, and a lot of scholars have written about this extensively, and that is basically 100% accurate. And it, it's, it's an impossibility. And so there's no, as John Locke would say, social contract. There's no agreement. Uh, and so we balkanize, which means people eventually retreat into tribes because the human nature, uh, when it loses what Pastor Harv was talking about, the passion of redemption, mm-hmm. what it does is it tries to secure itself in familiarity. So you seek out people that you believe, think like you, talk like you, eat like you, dress like you. And what happens is we balkanize in those different ways. And the, the beauty of the gospel, this is what I love about the church, is that I was talking to my daughter just recently, and uh, she's in a graduate program at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And there's a lot of really interesting ideologies there. What she brought up was we were talking about diversity training and these types of things. And I just said, you know, what is the most diverse community on the face of the planet it's the church mm. it's the christian church mm-hmm. not it is not a mosque it is not a uh, a hindi temple it is the christian church mm. i can fly over to china right now and i can walk into a house church and these people don't speak my language they don't know anything about me they've never even seen somebody from the west but if i can find an interpreter to say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, those people will receive me mm-hmm. into their home. That actually happened to me in Korea, yes. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yes. And so it's so diverse because of what Pastor Harv said. It, it transcends every ethnic boundary when your, your passion is to redeem the, the soul, which is the call of Christ and what he did on the cross for us. So I, I think that when it comes down then to the media, we have to remember what our priorities are. We, we really have to understand what our core values are. And one of the things that I like to say in my podcast, I say quite often at churches, I said, look, what you believe is one of the most important things about you. Mm-hmm. What you believe is one of the most important things about you because what you believe drives your behavior. It drives the way you think, the decisions you make, what you love and care about, the, the passions that you have, your hobbies. What you believe is one of the most important things about you. And mm-hmm. that's why the gospel answers that by says, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We are talking with pastors Douglas Peake and Harvey Friesen from Foothills Church um, which is on State Street, kind of between Boise and Eagle out there. And um, as we get just a few minutes left, I had a question for you, a little hypothetical here. Okay. Um, John Jay was the first Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. He was an ardent Christian. He was an, he was an ardent Christian, 
he was also vice president of the American Bible Society from 1816 to 1821, and then became that society's president uh, for the next uh, six years. In a letter to John Murray on October 12th of 1816, who was a Boston minister, John Jay closed his letter by saying the following, Providence has given to our people the choice of their ruler, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. If John Jay were alive today, and in our listening audience, what would you say to John Jay? Well, I would uh, ask him to speak more often, I think. That's what I'd say to John Jay, get your message out there. I'd ask him to start a podcast and write a book and (laughs) syndicated radio show. I mean, this is in direct opposition to what Congressman Jerry Nadler just said recently on the floor of the Congress. He said somebody brought up the notion that we should consider and uh, what, what, you know, some biblical options or values or stuff like that. And he said the idea of God has no place in the United States Congress. Wow. And so I thought, well, that's really quite fascinating because if, if we don't understand the nature of reality and the nature of human beings and their essence and sovereignty from somewhere, then where do you get yours? Because the options to choose are pretty small, and the ones, the postulates that your side, you know, gives are always lead to what is known as nihilism or meaninglessness. Mm-hmm. And so I I believe in people. I believe in the love of people and human dignity. And you cannot share with me or point out to me any other belief system other than that teaching of our Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that affirms people. We've got about a minute left. Um, And by the way, Jerry Nadler needs a history lesson. Yeah. um, Pastor Harvey. Um, same question to you. What do you think? What would you say to John Jay? Yeah, I, what I would say is I think he was telling us that we need people of value and virtue who care about the dignity and self worth of others, and not deconstructing their lives is that Christians mm. would actually look after the well being and the benefit of others. Built into our belief system is that your life, anyone else's life, matters as much as mine, irregardless of whether they believe what we believe, they matter. And therefore, our politicians should say that we were here to do one thing, create freedom so that you can live your life. Awesome, 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 awesome. Well, we've been talking with pastors Douglas Peak and Harvey Friesen from Foothills Church on State Street. Uh, it's in uh, Garden City, right? Techni- technically. Uh, and Pastor Douglas Peak is also host of the Salty Pastor podcast, which can be found on all major podcast platforms, right? Correct. Uh, thank you guys for being with us here today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yes. This is Daniel Bobinski with the Voice of Conservative Values. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week at the same time. Until then, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of Conservative Values. If you'd like to support this broadcast and Conservatives Of in the Treasure Valley, you can do so at conservativesof.com. Freedom can only be maintained by a prayerful, informed, vigilant, and engaged citizenry.